Well, like I said, we're going to be a little different today, and uh, the worship team is going to be up here with me because we're going to be uh, just kind of weaving in and out uh, worship and the Word. I'm just so glad to be here. Thank you for coming and on this first day of 2023, being around the Lord's table. Just even being here is kind of exciting. Say amen to that. And begin to think of all the miracles that God has done and the things that have happened. I know in my life, we've talked about Bruce. Bruce was like really excited about 2023. And there's a lot of reasons for us to be excited. Amen. It really is. Praise God. You know, our, our continuing vision, you know, I, we're going to talk more later on because in January we'll have kind of like what we call our vision Sunday, but it's still going to keep going, loving God, loving people, and doing it together. Can you say amen? amen. Let's say that together. Loving God, loving people, together. I just want to encourage you. I, I think it's worth taking time. I did this already. I spent a little bit of time. I just stopped and kind of reviewed life. You know, I, you've, I hope you got my devotional. You know I'm not really excited about uh, uh, resol- New Year's resolutions. I, I, I think you might have gotten that point. I'm more interested in the reconciliation of God in our lives. Amen? And uh, so it's good to stop and review, right? I want to encourage you. Uh, look at your priorities, your needs, your concerns. Take time. What did I learn from this past year? Right? I mean, a lot of things happened. I've learned a lot of things. You've learned a lot of things. And now we can share and continue to grow in that. Some of our experience were great. Amen? We had some really good things going on. We had some things that weren't so exciting. But in either venue, we can learn. And now we're moving, we're continuing to move into new normal. Our church is moving into new normal. We're not trying to go back to the way things were. We've talked about this like pre-pandemic. But you and I are moving forward. And so we we share something that we're going to be doing today. We share in the fact we have new life, we have hope, we have eternity, we have forgiveness. Can you say something to that? That's pretty exciting. And uh, we we have an amazing number of promises that God has given us. And I'm excited. And so we're going to continue to look at his promises all the way into February when we get ready to start. Remember, Rooted 2.0. So that is coming. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. So if you don't know what does that mean, there's a lot of information on the website and our app and whatnot. About you, a lot of us know we did rooted, you know, a, a little while ago. So we're going to do it again. 2023 has a foundational truth. I don't want you and I to let go of, and that's from Exodus 34:14. Uh, we have that up here. Once you look at that, as I read it, you must worship no other gods. Period. Let's think about that. No other gods. Now at that time that was written, it was a little bit more obvious because you're bowing down to statues and things like that, but there's a lot of other gods that you and I can get involved. Remember, we've talked about this. How do you know you're worshiping other gods is when you're putting far too much priority and time on things and not on the Lord Jesus. And we do that, right? We know, I mean, media can become a God, people, family, hobby. There's so many different things that can become other gods. We're to worship no other gods, but only the Lord. That's Yahweh. For he is a God, and I love this, who is passionate about his relationship with you. Can you say something of that? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of makes it different when you put this whole thing together that, okay, I'm not going to worship any other gods, but I'm going to worship the Lord Yahweh. I'm going to worship Jesus, who is passionate about his relationship with us. Now, I want you to reflect on the fact, because when I look at that, I remind he's passionate about his relationship with me. That's very personal. Sometimes we read this thing, we think, oh yeah, he's passionate about all of humanity. He's passionate about each individual. When I think of worship, I had this thought. I mean, there's a lot that we can say about it, and we're not going to, we'll talk about this later. But essentially, it's giving our lives again and again and again and again to Jesus. So that's what worship's about. Worship is when a human soul is bowing down before the Lord our God in adoration, in reflection of Him alone. 
And that's what you and I do privately when no one's looking and when we do it publicly, like here. See, our hearts, our thoughts, our time, our service, our writings, our nonverbals, our verbals, all become tools and expressions of our worship. Right now, you're worshiping God. And some of you need to know I'm watching you. I'm not sure there's a lot of worship happening. But, you know, the idea of our, we express, even as we are sitting here, our worship to God. And the reality is it doesn't matter what I see. It's all about what God sees. Can you see that? Now, First uh, Chronicles says in uh, chapter 16, 29, Give to the Lord the glory due his name. And it says here, bring an offering and come before him. That's what we're going to do today. It says, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. You know, when you see the holiness of God, it is absolutely beautiful. It's the best. Well, you and I need to run to the Father. You and I, can I encourage you, don't walk but run. Right? There's a lot of things that uh, I think we need to run to. We need to run to the Father. We need to fall into his grace. It's time to stop hiding. Some of us hide because we feel a little bit quiet or reserved. I want you to just come to the Father because there's no reason to wait. You know, the son, the, the, the song, Run to the Father, says, my heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. Well, heart surgery can be a really good thing. And it can do some miraculous things. But the best heart surgery is the one that God does. So let's run to the Father. I've carried a burden Too long on my own I wasn't created To bury it alone I hear your invitation To let it all go I see it now
times like this, when you and I come, God can do a work even in a service like this. He can do surgery in our lives. As we look at where we're headed in 2023, we've got to trust in God. I mean, I think of all the things right now. I've had a lot of conversations. I'm, I'm not surprised, but I'm a little surprised about the number of conversations I've had with believers who are struggling with trusting God. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's someone here right now not sure about that. You know, 1 John 3.16. We've heard of John 3.16. How about 1 John 3.16? We know what real love is because God gave up his life for us. When you begin to realize what Jesus did for us and the work that he did for us, ah, maybe it's a little easier to trust him because of the sacrifice he's made. In John chapter 3, Right? Not First John, but John chapter 3. It says, do you remember Nicodemus? He's talking to uh, Jesus, and he said, so what do you mean? Because they're talking about new life and birth and all this. And then here's what's for, for only I, Jesus says, the Son of Man, have come to earth and will return to heaven again. And then he says something that Nicodemus would have totally connected with. I don't know if you would connect with this. But he says, as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up on a pole so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. An amazing connection is being made right now between verse 15 and verse 16. Right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes us in him... Right? Will not perish. Will not perish, but will have eternal life. God did not send, send his son in the world to condemn it, but what? To save it. Say that with me. To save it. To rescue it. Now you begin to realize that there's this interesting connection I want you to see as our preparation. It says, Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness. Now, he's reflecting right back to Numbers 21 right now. The story of what happened, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be to everyone who is bitten. When he looks at it, they shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and so it was. If the serpent had bitten anyone, when they looked at the bronze serpent, they lived. Wow, what a great moment. <laughs> you begin to realize that this is powerful. You and I might not totally connect with it, but it's all about trust. Because when you're sitting there and there are snakes running around, and you know that if you get bitten, that you're going to have a lot of pain and you're probably going to die, and someone says to you, it's going to be fine, just look at the pole and look at the snake on top of the pole. You're going to be fine. How many of you are going to be fine? I mean, some of us really aren't fine, even the idea of a snake. See, I don't put snakes up on my overhead anymore because I got people who will run out of the sanctuary because looking at a snake, like, wow, that's, you know, I think snakes are cool. But anyway, as we look at that idea... There's something being said that is absolutely critical. Because God's giving us a choice. We come around the table, you have a choice. Will you choose life and hope? Or will you choose fear and escape? What is it that's going to happen when you face snakes in your life? When you face the challenges that come, are you running? God says, don't run, just look at me. Trust me. See, that is more challenging than we realize. And so here is an amazing word picture that if you could imagine, I can see it, I can see snakes, right? I just think of, you know, Indiana Jones. I, I think of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, if you want to know, I thought about putting that up. You know, you know that room when he's in all those snakes, right? And he's walking through that. Can you imagine being in that moment, right? There you are, and all you have to do is look to the top of a pole, and you're going to be fine. Nothing bad is going to happen. <laughs> well, that's true when we look to Jesus. That's 
Because the Lord is communicating to you and I, if you keep your eyes on me, if you keep looking at me, you're going to be okay. See, a lot of us struggle with that. You know, when you face life and death moments, and you go through those times, I know having recently been there, I know talking with Bruce, having, and others, I was talking with Sid, I've talked to a lot of people, and here's what I just love hearing. Yeah, this is a little bit tough, but my eyes are on Jesus. I'm keeping my focus there because that is what's going, what an amazing picture of the rescue and the healing of God. I mean, whatever you're facing, whatever it is that you're coming across, you're one of my heroes of faith. She'll be embarrassed, but it's Chaplain Pastor Terry. She's been through a lot, and she's faced, you know, death and life. And uh, is Terry there? Oh, she's hiding. Yeah, she's kind of short. Yeah. She may be physically short, but she's super tall in God. Can you say amen to that? <laughs> and I heard her say many times, I'm just keeping my eyes on Jesus. And that was encouraging to me. That spoke to me. Because here's what salvation requires. Here's what you need to understand when you come around the Lord's table. You've got to keep looking up. Yeah. See, too many of us look down. When you're going through a tough time, you know, have you ever gone hiking and you're tired, you're exhausted, and you're going through maybe some of the most amazing, beautiful country, what do you look at? The ground. I mean, how exciting that you just got done walking miles, and you're tired, you're hungry, and you just, you know, you're just about ready to break out to the most amazing view, and all around you is amazing things, and all you see is dirt and rocks. That's how some of us live life. And God says, look up. Yeah. And all of a sudden your perspective will change. Now, I know this. I want to say this to you because I've been there. It sounds simple and easy. I know it's not. I know it's not when, when you're sitting in a hospital room and there's all these noises of these, these machines going on and you, you realize that some of these machines is like what's keeping you alive and, you, and then you hear a weird noise. It's not so simple. But then I hear myself saying, I hear God speaking to me, relax, just look up. Oh, God, look up. Well, sometimes that's the only place to go. That's right. But our nature is to look at what's going on around us and see dirt. <laughs> but we need to see Jesus. We need to trust Jesus. He can save you. See, God's provide. See, here's what I love about the fact, because someone asked me, why in the world would, would God... In Numbers sent a bunch of snakes that would kill people. Now, that might not be my first choice, but I'm not God. And why did he do it? But here's the thing that whenever God does something that you think is like, that's a little unusual, he always provides a way out. So I want you to keep the positive, because a lot of people would say, oh, I don't want to, I couldn't love a God like that who would do such a thing. But you've got to realize that God loved us so much he provided a way and all he had to do and it was a simple way you didn't have to go to the hospital you didn't have to have you know a blood pressure cuff you didn't have to you know have someone suck the poison out of your leg or whatever all you had to do is look up at the image that moses had created and you're fine all you have to do is look up and see jesus church listen to me and you're fine in other words, you trust God. You've given your life over to God. You believe and receive Him. And so, can I give you a word that I heard from God as we look at what God's speaking to us? It's time to stop looking down and start looking up. Because our God is a mighty fortress. The, the Word of God tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus. So let you and I, as we are looking to come around the table... Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. We will keep our eyes on you. We will keep our eyes on you. So we can set our hearts on you. Lord, we will set our hearts.
statement amen you understand that as I'm speaking and then the song comes the song is the message those words are continuing for us as you sing them I want you to reflect on what it is that we're talking about because when you and I receive communion we're saying something when we're receiving communion we're committing ourselves to trust God and keep our focus on him Hebrews 12 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Commitment to God. You and I, and I'm talking to all of us. You know, I was thinking about who am I talking to. I'm talking to some people who may not know Jesus. Some people might be watching online. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to people who are struggling with the question about Jesus. I'm also struggling with some of us old timers. I'm talking to someone who maybe you've known the Lord for a long time. I'm thinking, I have you in mind. The Spirit of God, is, as I was preparing, as I was reading this, where I thought, it's talking to me. It's talking to all of us. Because committing ourselves again and keeping our focus on Him is something you do every day. Whatever might come that day. And some days are harder than others. Have you noticed that? I can think of a lot of hard days in the last couple of years. And so we move into 2023. We want to commit to the Lord God and keep our eyes on. I'm going to do everything I can as your pastor to help you keep your focus on Jesus. And if I have to, I'm going to turn your head up. <laughs> and say, look, there. Quit looking down. Now, you might want to fight me, and I might have to break your neck to get you up there, but, you know. <laughs> Come on, look. Remember what Jesus did. He did something that's a once and for all. For all you realize only one time in all of eternity, a sacrifice was made by God's only begotten Son. It will never, ever again be repeated. I want you to remember something. That the New Testament, or the New Covenant, or the New Promises, complete all of the old promises and statements, if you will, of the Old Testament. The two have to be tied in together. And sometimes I get confused when I hear of churches that don't use the Old Testament. You've got to keep the two together, remembering what's happening. When you and I participate in communion, we're remembering all of these details, these facts of life, and we're bringing them together that, okay, it has been spoken of. The promises, the prophetic words have been spoken repeatedly. I was just getting, I was preparing for uh, a lesson on Wednesday night. Lois and I are going to be talking to the Israel team that's getting ready to go. And I was reviewing the 60 major promises of Jesus that have been fulfilled because that team's going to walk in front of some of the very places where the promises were fulfilled. See, we can go and see those places. And so we come to the Lord's table, and you and I remember that he died for us, he rose for us, right? 
He's resurrected. Can you say amen to that? And he ascended. That was important too. Sometimes we forget the ascended piece. Wow. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you're not there already. You know, there is a lot of information, verse 23 through 29. I just, it's not on the slide. I just want you to, would you follow along with me and just look at that? And I, I just want you to, let's you and I hear the entirety of it for a second. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I'm going to go to verse uh, 30. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also received from you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. We'll come back to that. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant. New promise, right? The New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. Notice the capital M. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Verse 27, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are sick, are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Sometimes it's good to start at the end and move back to the beginning. I read this and I want you to think about what we read at verse 27 and 28 for a second. See, this was said after he said, you know, what we, what we read in communion, right? The first part of that passage we read because it's the institution. What a miraculous thing. How in the Passover, Jesus instituted this communion, and then it's reinstated to, again, written to the Corinthian church as the Apostle Paul received this amazing vision and word from the Lord himself. But he says something here that's important because he says, therefore whoever eats this bread drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the, of the body and the blood of the Lord. Powerful statement. But let a man examine himself so you won't be guilty. Let a man examine himself, test himself, look at himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So what's, what's unworthy manner? Wow, big, big topic. That could be a, its own message. But for right now, it's talking about how you and I would equate the concept of what it means to be unworthy. See, there's an interesting connection here that unworthy has to do with weakness. And here's what happens to a lot of us human beings, is that we then start thinking that somehow it's up to my performance to do something so that I'm not weak, therefore I'm not unworthy. As if somehow, if you work it backwards, the idea, especially in the Corinthian church, there was this thought, I can do something that's worthy. Now let me help you out. There's nothing you can do. The whole point of that moment is, see, a lot of us feel like we have to prove our value. We have to prove our worth. I want you to understand, it's by grace. We're all about grace. See, the struggle of the first century church was legalism. Performance. That's the struggle of America today. I mean, you start looking. I was watching some of the stuff for, you know, the New Year's, all the things, right? We're all getting ready, right? We're going to perform. We are all going to work out. Can you say amen of that? Your church is going to put a gym right down the hall for you. And it'll be used for about a month, and then we can, we can reset it. A lot of us are going to go on the diets that we, we, want, we think we should go on. We're going to change lifestyles. We're going to do things that are absolutely amazing for about 30 or 40 days. 
And then we're going to realize, this is just too hard. I can't do this. That's good, because you can't. But with God's grace, with God's help, you can do this. You can accomplish some pretty amazing things. But the point of this is when we come around the table, a lot of us feel like we haven't proven ourselves. I want you to know to come around this table, all you've got to do is receive and believe in Jesus and love Jesus and receive his grace, the gift that he has for us. Now, it says, you know, do self-examination. I, I love this concept because when you start studying it and you look at it, Basically, the word and the language that's being used here is talking about the idea of taking a test. Can you believe that? We've got to take a test before we receive communion. I thought about handing out a piece of paper to you. <laughs> but if there was grace, I'd only have one option for you to choose. <laughs> then I thought, no, I want performance. Let's give them, let's give them a, you know, four choices for multiple guests. <laughs> So, the, so why, do, why is this in the Word? Well, there's, I guess there's a lot of things that have been done and have been participated in around this Lord's table. That you know, This Lord's table is also called a love feast. A lot of times it isn't so much of a love feast. Uh, it, it's all about knowing grace. So let a man examine himself. What does that mean? How do I pass this test? Here it is, if you didn't know it. Passing the test, I think I wrote this out, is our understanding of why Jesus did what he did for us. See, when you come around the table, it's not about, oh, look at I just checked the box, I had communion. Man, I made church on the first Sunday, at, at, man, at Bunalai, Four Square Church, check, I'm good for 30 days. I received the blood and the body of Christ. Check. And I was really humbled in the way I received it. Check. I even told five people on my way out, wasn't that great? Check, check, check. Check, check. Well, you're not understanding why Jesus did what he did for us. Because the whole purpose of the cross, his resurrection and his ascension, is that we can appropriate by his grace an amazing blessing right now today. My concern is for many of us, and I, I want to say this to all of us, because I think you know communion is a pretty big deal for me. I spent a lot of years teaching and bringing communion. I've had a few people even suggest to me, you know, you do communion really different. You know, and I go, Amen. Because communion is a really big deal. I mean, Jesus instituted it out of something that I love, Passover. And he said, here's something that I'm going to institute that I want you to do. So that we can appropriate something right now. The disrespect of communion is for any of us that are here right now with an attitude of, well, so what? Doesn't matter. Just another ceremony of the church, another opportunity to check a box. We must never just go through the motions. I don't want us to do that. I wouldn't want anyone to miss. Communion is not an exercise to increase your worthiness or cover your bases or check off a box. It's not what it's about. That's not why we're here. I mean, who is worthy to come to this table? Who is worthy? We already know that. No one. Jesus is worthy. John declared, the Lamb of God is coming. He is worthy. And so we put our hope and our faith and our trust in the Lord who is worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Thank you for the cross, Lord. And thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came. 
Just speak thanksgiving to Jesus where you are and declare how worthy he is. Lord, we, we love you. We thank you. We declare your worthiness, Lord God. Oh, Lord. To prepare for what we're going to receive, thank God right now. Give him thanks. Lord, you are worthy. Do you need forgiveness? God will give it to you. Do you need God's healing? God will give it to you. Not because you're worthy, because he's worthy. I invite you to be seated. You know, you think about how important it is that we surrender our lives. That's what communion's about. It requires forgiveness. We've talked about that. It requires your confession. Because if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, we know, some of us know that really well. Do you practice it? When's the last time you confessed to God your sins? I mean, really confessed. Not just kind of had this, okay, I confessed. You know, kind of that, you know, three-second moment. But you actually got before God. And a little bit of anguish went it. How many have gone to someone and asked them to help you in your confession? You see, communion requires repentance. We just don't come, remember what I said, you just don't come to this table not realizing what it means. Because when you do these things, look what it says, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Why is this happening? Why is it that some of us are struggling so much? Because you have not yet appropriated the healing of Jesus in your life. Which starts with your soul. It starts with that commitment. Listen, Isaiah said he was, ruined, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. The word reminds us not to forget that when you're sick and your body is broken, when your heart is broken, when your mind is feeling injured, God declares, I am your healer and your redeemer. I don't have any problem with making the call to the doctor or 
going to the emergency room. But let me tell you something. When you're there, seek after your healer and redeemer. Don't wait till after they're all done and go, Phew, thank God. You want to do it before. Tr trust me, that's really important. I think of how many times Rochelle stood out the door praying for God's healing and deliverance of her husband the entire time. She should get a certificate. Listen, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. See, the love of God is not static. It's dynamic. We need Jesus. The word says, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You understand that's talking about commitment and trust and the importance, Lord, of, of how it is that we understand the love of God. Yes. See, it's saying not that you literally eat flesh or drink blood. It's saying, do, are you willing to digest the word of God and truth? Are you willing to bring it in to your soul? And the best way I can illustrate this, like food that you would take in, are you willing to take in and let it, because what happens, you're, that food is digested and it goes through all the cells of your body. Will you let the Spirit of God go through all the cells of your body? Will you take in all that we would offer today and let it become something that disperses everywhere in who you are? And that's what the... It says, unless you do that, you're missing out. I believe God could do some healing right now at this very moment in your life. Just sitting here. God can do a miraculous thing. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the bread of life. Listen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and then he given thanks, and everyone's going, yeah, this is normal stuff right now, right? The Passover, it's happening. He broke it and said, take eat. We're doing good. But then he said, this is my body. What? Because Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. When you open up and look at that piece of matzah. You're talking about the body of Christ. No kidding. See it for what it really is and don't minimize it. Don't dismiss it or invalidate it because it says, it's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Of all the things that God has done, Do you love Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Have you received Jesus? If these things haven't happened, well, you're welcome to a very small piece of matzah. And that's all you're getting. Not worth the price of admission. But when you have believed and received and trusted and committed. It's different. I don't care that this is the first day of a new year. I care about your soul and your health and your well-being that you're about to receive the bread of life. Jesus is the Messiah. Hamashiach. Jesus. Yeshua. He is the Savior, the one who rescues us. Will you prepare to receive his body? If you're at home, will you prepare to receive of the body? But if you're not ready, then I'm going to give you opportunity to be ready. Is there something you need to do before we take that 
matzah. If you're at home and you need help, write it in. Say, I, I need prayer before I receive the body of Christ. And we'll pray. This is something we all need to do. Can you say amen to that? Jesus is our Messiah. His body, the bread. His blood, the wine. Broken and poured out all for love. The whole earth trembled and the veil was torn. Love so think about what's happening right now. We examine ourselves. Do we really understand what Jesus did? Why he did it? Because Jesus came and said, this is my body broken for you. I mean, This was just a piece of matzah for centuries. And then it became something very different. As I was reflecting and just, I'm praying, and God, what are you speaking to us? I want to provide this call to us here today. Because some of us, I believe, you've, you've walked with the Lord for a while. But here's what I've learned in my life and a lot of other lives. It's either to take a step back and not really be close to the Lord. For whatever reason, life, busyness, family, kids, health issues, all kinds of things can happen. And, and you might misunderstand because I might say receive Jesus. And if you haven't received Jesus, this certainly is for you. But for a lot of us, I'm hearing God speak because I've, 
I'm reflecting a lot of my conversations with people. I think we're a little concerned about whether we really do trust God. Do you really trust God for your life, for your well-being? Before you receive this, I want to give opportunities so we can pray together and commit together, trust together, and start this first Sunday off. And okay, God, I think I took a step back. I'm ready to step forward again. I'm ready to step forward. Will you bow your heads for a moment? Take a moment. What is the Spirit of God saying to you right now? I'm presenting an opportunity, but what's the Spirit of God saying to you? Lord, I pray that for some of us, this is a moment of repentance. Of some of the things, perhaps, that have gone on in our head, in our heart. Some of us have just allowed our attitude to become soiled. Some of us have been staring at the dirt too long. Today, we hear what you've said. It's time to look up. It's time to step forward. I pray for those of us here that need that courage to take that step today, to trust you and commit to you before we receive your body. With our heads bowed, moment of just that privacy. Will you give me the privilege of praying for you? So I invite you before you receive this body, just raise your hand and say, I, I want I want to pray with you, Pastor, because I need to step forward right now. I took a step back. Whatever the reason, just put your leave your hand up, would you? Would you just put it up and leave it there? Just put your hand up and acknowledge this right now. It's an important moment. Anybody else? Number of hands are going up, church. Just keep praying. If your hand's not up, you're praying. These are miraculous moments. These are life-changing moments. This is what God does. God heals in the name of Jesus. God restores faith in the name of Jesus. He renews our strength and delivers us in the name of Jesus. Because we hold the truth in our hands. This is your body. You are the bread of life. And this just symbolizes and represents the truth that we want to digest into our, to every cell of our body. You are Jesus the Messiah. And thank you for those who have just raised their hands. Thank you for those that are saying, okay, I'm going to step forward. I pray that you help each person who lifted their hand. For whatever that reason, is to take a step forward now and to look up, to see you ascended into heaven. We look at all that had happened and we see a cross that is empty. 
We see that you have ascended, and we see, Lord, that you are a resurrected Lord. And that's what we look at as we receive your body in Jesus' name. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And guess what? He's coming back. Listen, when you seek him, You'll find him. And the more you seek him, the more you can find. The more I seek you, the more I find you, Jesus. The more I find you, cup, you and I know that this was the third cup in the Passover, the cup of redemption. This cup redeems. It washes clean. Whatever that is, that it's time to let that cleansing work happen. You can receive this. Because It's not what we do, it's what he does. So what do I need to do in order to get rid of the sin? Confess it, repent, and then receive the cup that God has for you. I had someone say to me, well, that's just too easy. That's not really all that easy. There's a lot more involved. Can you see a minute of that? Lord, we hold in our hands the cup of redemption that reminds us of the redeeming power and the grace of God. We're so thankful for this cup. You said this is a representation of your blood. We know what that means. Lord, thank you. This reminds us you died. But again, you rose. And you ascended. And because of that, we're redeemed. And so together we receive this cup in Jesus' name. Let's partake together, church. Can you see a minute of that? You know, 
I wanted to summarize this message before we leave. And I thought, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. 2023, say that with me. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Okay, you practice now. You're going you're gonna to get, because we're going to sing this. Ready? Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Sounds too simple, right? But it's not. Let's stand together. Jesus loves me. This I